Welcome to Elixir Outlaws, the hallway track of the Elixir community. I came up with a very bad joke two days ago, but I was very, very proud of it. <laughs> this is this is definitely your forum. Let's which which Pokemon gets two of everything? No idea. I have no idea. PK two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was very proud. I was like, That's you cute. know, they're like. There are three things I'm really proud of life, like uh, my two kids and on the top, the joke. But, uh, <laughs> Just say. <laughs> Perfect. So sh- so should we, we grab uh, one of the real questions here? Yeah, let's do it. Um, yeah, shall we, shall we get started? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So they said, uh, I understand that the official, in quotes, typing has been put into the hands of the community. Are there any credible efforts being made in that direction? And are there any plans to integrate better with Dialyzer and or other static analysis tools, like making them first-class citizens? Yeah, that's a very good question. And so there is a project, for example, coming from Erlang called uh, Gradualizer. We even had a talk at Code Being Stockholm that may be worth investigating. So yeah, so there is work happening from different places and I imagine it will continue to happen, but I think it will, those things take a little bit and I think it will take a while for something to come up as being solid. The support for the Elizer will continue doing it for the community because I am personally not a big fan uh, of the Elizer and, um, and not necessarily because of the Elizer, but because of things like the integration, it would be really complicated. I would love if we ran those things as we compile our code and not in a separate pass, but that would be really hard to do or require a lot of work. Um, the something we would have to improve on the Dialyzer side is to improve the error messages, for example. So, you know, uh, we had some ideas some discussions on how we can do that and um, improve the Erlang side of things. But those, they're all things that would take, all those things that would take some time if you want to do it reliably. So yeah, so I think we'll continue improving in in baby steps, let's say, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done in the foundation, which is why it doesn't happen as immediately, right? It's not like, hey, we're going to have this ready for 1.8. No, it's going to, it's going to take a while, generally speaking. It feels like so much of that problem is just finding the right type algebra that actually makes sense for the language and allows you to interplay with Erlang. I mean, because that was like the fundamental problem with doing... Um, like Henley, Henley Milner like type algebras, right? Is that like you've had it forced everybody to rewrite their code in like this way that no one actually did it originally. Um, so it never got picked up because of that. Cause it was sort of like you had to tell everybody to rewrite this code that they knew was working already in production. And they're like, I don't want to do that for just be, just make your type algebra happy or whatever. Yeah. And with Henley Milner, the, the issue is also inference. So uh, we can't, we just can't do inference. There are a bunch of idioms that we use today that they're not going to work without a bunch of extensions. So that would require people to type up front and then that that already starts being a, a no-go. But I think people in the Elixir community, at least, they are willing to, because that lies said, like, we are going to accept all code as valid. Right, and, and that's it. I think people in the Elixir community, they're, they're willing to say, it's fine if some of my code, I mean, if I opt in, right? It's fine if some of my code or some of the idioms they do not compile anymore when I add types. 
but then we need to figure out which way to do that cleanly because we can just not release an Elixir version and say, hey, now 30% of the code in the community does not compile, right? Then that would be a nightmare. So we need to find a way to do this. And that's when I started looking at gradual typings, which do feel like it's going to be a really good option, but it's a very long and extensive uh, research project, especially uh, starting from scratch. But I think I think we can afford, I think, but that's the thing, I think we can afford to start from scratch. We don't have to um, stay with the decisions of the past and say, oh, all the code that was written is going to work. Like, no, if you opt into this, some of this code is not going to work and that's fine. So is the intention is, is that develops along to, to use the same um, syntax that's that's currently in place that Dialyzer uses or, or would it be something new? I think we should explore both ways, but I I think we did some mistakes, like we, the Elixir team, did some mistakes when we brought the Dialyzer uh, type specs uh, into Elixir because with how we handle variables and this kind of stuff. If I could do it today, it's one of the things that I would do it differently. I'm not sure quite how different it would be, but uh, I think we did some mistakes in this area and uh, we would have to to amend them. And maybe we can even amend now and support both ways in Elixir for a while. But at the moment, yeah, um, I, I would I would explore both because, because I, I mean, I would explore using the type specs or maybe something inline or something like that because uh, I think we should explore right and try different things you said something about making making mistakes it kind of leads to a different question is in in developing a language is that is used by lots of people how do you handle whenever you have those mistakes and now people are semi-depending on them being there like like what is your approach right you just ah, that's that's so tough because you just kind of like it's a thing that you have to learn how to handle it because you can't... So I have an engineering background, right? And what you teach at engineering school is like, well, you do have some parameters and then you have the specification and you try to do something that conforms with those parameters. So like my brain has been wired to do that for years. And then... But you don't have you don't have this thing for programming languages, right? We do have for performance, which is great. That's why I work. I like to work so much on performance because I can do some stuff and like, hey, things are twice faster now. It's exactly what people expected. Perfect, beautiful, right? But like, well, you know, regarding using the language and the features in the language, what you add, what you remove, yeah, there, there's like no metrics in there. So sometimes people they would ask, and and I've learned to let go a lot of this. So at the very beginning, you know, after 1.0 came out, people would ask, why did you do this? And that would me would send me like into very long like rabbit holes where I would try to go back and think about the decisions like, oh, we decided this, but what if I did differently? And and then I would like, oh, but then it would affect that and it would affect that. And then at some point I would say, oh, I guess what we did, uh, it's what really makes sense. But I would go into these very long trips and, and now I'm just like, you know, it is like a lot of the things, uh, it is what it is, right? So, uh, and then, sure, that we continue improving things and things that, so one of the things that we talked, uh, I talked at the, the Elixir Conf uh, keynote was exactly about Elixir 2.0. And one of the nice things about Elixir is that because the language was made to be extensible, uh, some of the things that we did wrong, we can actually just fix them now and deprecate it right? And deprecate the old ways and introduce a new way. So we are kind of like, there are things that were wrong and we are improving and making them better along the way. 
right? But uh, things in the very core, then yeah, we wouldn't be able to change them. And I kind of like, I've made my peace with it. That's kind of what I would say. And for everything that we can tackle, then we just tackle it. So if there was one decision with, with Elixir that you've made that there would be no consequences if you could just do it differently. Is there anything? No, you're you not. You're not change? sending. You're not sending me there. You're not sending me to the rabbit hole. No, 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 no. <laughs> 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 don't, don't do this to me. <laughs> I'm not ready. Go ahead. If 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 at any point we don't have a question, or you guys want me to, I have a whole list of them now because they keep coming. Well, in. is there anything that you're haven't, or maybe you can't talk about? It. I don't know if you can talk about it. Stuff that you haven't announced yet, but there are. Is there anything that you are? Um, excited about improving now that you all are talking about what things can be improved right so uh, i can tell a little bit what i'm working on if that uh it's it's interesting so um uh, so exactly like at the keynote at the comp i kind of said like uh, the last big thing that i think we have to tackle in elixir itself is deployment after that i think we are pretty much like over, let's say, we'll continue obviously improving things, but in terms of big features, that's supposed to be it. And sure, maybe you're going to research type systems and you're going to spend like two, three years researching something that may be part of the language or not, but that's like really long term, right? I'm saying like, you know, of practical things that we should expect in the short term. Deployment is the last one. So, um, and to me, this goes a little bit back, like when... The, the first milestone we had for Elixir, the first big milestone was to release Elixir 1.0. That happened in like 2014. And after we released Elixir 1.0, uh, like my next milestone was to help like the infrastructure in the community, right? To help the community grow. That's why I started working on and contributing to projects like Plug, Acto, Phoenix, and so on. And especially because, uh, and there are a bunch of projects related to the web because that's the area that uh, my company, Platform Tech, works at. So we wanted to have a good tooling for my company as well. And at I, at the beginning, I was very naive. I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I I think we are going to do this work on the infrastructure for like two years, and then we we can move to new areas like to green pastures. But now we are like three years maximum, right? But now we are 2018. It's four years later. And we are not done quite yet, so, but I think I think we are we are really close because so uh, I think the, one of the main complaints that we have about Elixir is uh, deployment, and the other one looking about the infrastructure in general is is about instrumentation and gathering metrics and showing that in a nice place. So uh, coincidentally, those are the two things I'm working right now. So deployment, uh, Paul from Dockyard. Uh, he worked on the theory 2.0 and he did some improvements. He tried some ideas there that eventually are going to be part of Elixir. We don't know exactly who is going to do this work, uh, what exactly is going to be in Elixir, but some of it's going to be there. He's, uh, he has currently sent a request to Erlang OTP to try some new ideas out. So there's still some error being explored there. So that's really, really nice. And I'm working with uh, Erlang Solutions on a project called Telemetry which is about uh, instrumentation. So it was really nice, the Erlang Solutions folks, uh, they saw Chris' keynote where, we, where he said that he wants better instrumentation. They were like, hey, we would love to do this work. So we have been working uh, with Arkadiusz Gil. Um, here, actually, he lives here in Krakow. He's from the office here in Krakow. And he's doing a fantastic job. So we released a very tiny library called Telemetry, 
which is by design meant to be very tiny because it's to be it it's meant to be a core that everybody's going to depend on. And with that, you can dispatch events. That's all it does. That's why it's so tiny. Oh, you say like, hey, I'm dispatching like I'm dispatching, for example, like there was a request in Phoenix. So Phoenix would say, here, here's a request. This is how long this request took, and here's some metadata about this request. By the way, it's like, uh, like the uh, which controller, which action, and this kind of stuff. And that's all there is to it. There is nothing more. And so that was the first step. And then he worked on something called uh, telemetry pooler. So this is the second library. And the pooler is because there are some metrics that they are not events per se. Like how much memory is my VM using? Right? You don't have a matrix. You don't want to have to emit an event every time you change the memory, every time you allocate something. So what you do is that you pull, like every one one second, you you get the, that measurement and you publish it. So that's the other project. And now he's working on something called telemetry metrics, which is just a collection of metrics that tell exactly how those events they should be aggregated. So our idea is that we'll ship like with those three libraries, and now the ecosystem is going to provide things like. Uh, telemetry stats, the telemetry Prometheus that gets those events, gets how those events are being are meant to be collected, and send them in whatever way they want, whatever way they prefer. So we we have been very careful to not prescribe any architecture because each metric tool like that we use, like stats, the Prometheus, they have very different architectures of how the data is consumed or published. So we we made this thing that's very loosely coupled. And uh, and yeah, so right now he those three libraries they are almost ready in the sense that you know the base is there for people to try out, and we are working on implementing like a first reporter or something like that. And what people should expect is that so Ecto three is already uh, using telemetry to publish the events, but what people should expect is that I hope in Phoenix one at five we will be able to we'll have a we'll ship with a small module hopefully like 20 lines of code that says all of the metrics that you want to collect in the machine. And then by default, we're going to say, oh, we're going to push these to, to plug because plug is going to have a page that shows these as JSON data or as a dashboard or something like that. But if you want to say, actually want to push this to StatsD, it should be like a one line of code change. That's like the ideal goal we are going for right now. And then I hope that with the work and deployment and the work and instrumentation, I think like in 2019, when the year is over, for those things to be like water under the bridge, right? It should be solved, should not be a problem anymore. And yeah, so that's kind of what I'm working on right now. I'm also working with uh, Michal. I'm actually more as a mentor. So um, Michal Muscal is on the Elixir team and uh, Phoenix got a grant from, the, from Mozilla. There's that Mozilla open source fund or Mozilla Open Source Grant where they sponsor a bunch of different uh, projects. And Phoenix is being used inside the Mixed Reality uh, team at Mozilla. And um, and we got a, a grant to work on FireNest, which is so Phoenix, it has like all these uh, abstractions for like doing distributed PubSub, for tracking uh, state across nodes with presence. So you know exactly who is connected on which node, but those are very high level abstractions. We want to break those down into smaller abstractions. And Michal is working on it on the Farnes project. He gave a very good talk at Code Being Light uh, Berlin. The video just came up. It's a very good talk. I really recommend people to watch it. That explains the goal of the project and where we want to go into it. Um, but yeah, but this is more like, you know, improving the state of art that we have right now um, rather than um, something that is really fundamental to the infrastructure. But it's also nice. It's, it's nice work. Yeah, we're... we're uh... We're really excited about all the telemetry stuff. 
Um, we've already started using that in a couple things uh, internally because um, it just makes our yeah because it makes our lives so much easier trying to get metrics out of some of these um, some of the libraries and stuff like that in a unified way. Um, so yeah, that's that's been we've been following that and using that. We we we're using a lot of that for the open tracing stuff that we've been working on as well in order to like get traces out of this out of different parts of the system. Um, so that's been really cool. And I've been sort of following FireNest from a very far distance. I'm excited about it. It sounds really interesting. No, I was just saying, like, as soon as I start to have data about it and issues in production, we'll love to hear it. And uh, we did a bunch of profiling benchmarking on our initial implementation, but nothing beats real world, right? So it would be cool if people pick it up and start using it internally in their different libraries and stuff, um, just because it. I mean, being able to like, it's, it's definitely one of the things that I feel a lot of pain, um, in from sort of, um, the libraries that maybe get like less usage, like obviously like plug and Phoenix and Ecto, like get a ton of usage. And so those like have a lot of, um, attention, some libraries that are like less, maybe like less common to everyone's stack often don't like publish hooks and stuff like that to be able to get instrumentation details out of it. Um, and so I'm hoping that more of the community starts, you know, relying on tools like telemetry and that kind of stuff to get, to have like a unified way to get those metrics um, from lots of different places. Yeah, definitely. It's a bit too soon, Yeah, I think, but I think like when we release 1.5 and Phoenix will start officially using it, I think it will be good. So for example, right now we are discussing about moving the telemetry core to Erlang and actually implement it in Erlang because then the Erlang libraries will be able to use it as well. So, and and then, and, th and this is great, right? Because otherwise we have this Elixir thing and then you can only get data coming from Elixir libraries. So if you can actually get everybody using it and then, you know, and then um, any other Erlang libraries start to using it as well, then we'll be able to consume the data coming from everywhere. So I think it's, it's a good move. And, uh, but yeah, after, you know, yeah, uh, after this is over, I hope uh, then more people can start depending on it. Plus something like that. That feels like a, a really interesting um, project, not telemetry itself, but the something else you kind of alluded to, which is like writing it in Erlang so that people in Erlang can just take advantage of it with without without any like issues. And that <clears throat> I know that there's been discussion of this in the past, but that feels like a really um, worthwhile project for somebody uh to, to spend some time on, which is like thinking about how, and I know people have thought about this, but like really, really focusing on how do we get a tool chain so that it's really, it's the interop between Erlang people wanting to take advantage of Elixir libraries is, is really, really low. Um, like the difficulty level is really low. So, because right now we get to take advantage of all the Erlang stuff like really easily, but it's a lot harder for them to go the other way and use like all the Elixir tools. Um, and like I said, I know that there's been a bunch of discussion about that, um, but it'd be interesting to see like what would come out of a pro out of like some efforts there because I think that could be super useful. Yeah, I know. I know Eric has been working on uh, some of those things with the rebar team, so at least like the compilation of all the Elixir stuff, it's straightforward. Um, but in this case, we thought like even if we compiled, even if we can compile Elixir, if this thing that's supposed to be a very lightweight dependency. If it, uh, if all their link projects, in order to bring it, they need to bring all of Elixir, then it's not a lightweight dependency for the other developers. That's why I decided to go 
But people, they complain a lot about things like um, that calling the Elixir modules, the syntax is a bit ugly in Erlang. Um, that's one of the complaints. But then there are things that they're not going to work, but they can't work, I think. I mean, in my mind, they can't work like uh, macros, right? Like macros, you know, it's an Elixir thing and you can't, there is no way it could work otherwise. Um, yeah, and the calling syntax is like it's fine. I don't know. Uh, it's 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 not as nice as just calling like an Erlang module, but it's not like it's not that bad. <laughs> like I don't think it's I don't think it's that. Yeah, bad. that's my opinion because I define Erlang macros, so I def I do like define a macro in Erlang, and so for example, calling kernel in. So if you go to the Elixir uh, code base, it has like some code written in Erlang in the compiler, and every time we call kernel, it's like. Um, question mark and kernel all in lower case and that's it uh, so to me it's not a big deal but uh, some people they still don't like it so maybe there's just maybe some more documentation around that way might help yeah that's a good point but, I, but I, I take your point about telemetry maybe not being a great uh, a great exemplar of a library where that makes sense but I do I do think having the ability to interop would be really interesting like to make that really clean um, from at least from the perspective of like needing to compile uh, the like Elixir dependencies and having that be pretty straight ahead. I, I think a good example could be, for example, GenStage, which is a very small library, but it can be very useful because an abstraction that, as far as I know, we don't have in Erlang. So people, they can make really use it. And it's not supposed to be that far from how an Erlang thing would work. Just the module name, everything else, they are just callbacks. So that could be a potentially good candidate for like having really good integration. I know there are other libraries. I think, um, what is the name of the 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 benchmark library that uh, from PragTab and the name is escaping me. Oh, uh, Benchy. Yes, yes. So I think they did something for the integration, but I think they defined a module that proxies to the Elixir module or something like that. I don't recall, but they have explored uh, this area if I remember correctly. Yeah, I remember some people talking about um, wanting to use uh, James's um, connection library in Erlang and that being a thing that they wanted, which is another use case for mm -hmm. that. James. James Fish. Fish cakes. James Fish. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, the connection library, it's, uh, it's supposed to be it's supposed to be that. It's no longer meant to be necessary now that they added the, the state machine to Erlang. And uh, and we got the the continue uh, callback handle continue in 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 the gen server. So a lot of the the bookkeeping that the connection library was doing around that today can be solved easily with those two. Or that's I don't I mean I don't know per se. I'm telling what James told me. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, that's what he said. So. James's definition of things that should be easy to implement. Also, I've I've found aren't necessarily always uh, universally easy. Yes, you 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 agree. Like uh, So a lot of the work on Ecto3, so I, I had to do a lot of work on DB connection, which I wanted to do anyway, because we had like a uh, buzz number of one in that project, So which was James. So I did a bunch of the work to upgrade. And then, and then he would be like, oh, Jose, that's easy. And then I'm like, mm, I, I'm not sure I agree. And then everything I would think that it's easy, I would say, no, I think that's easy. And then he's like, no, I don't think that's easy. And I was wrong every time when I said it's easy because he was able to see like 
uh, like ten problems ahead of where I was. So 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 yeah, I uh, James is uh, is definitely really, really smart, and if he says it's easy, then I totally agree with you. Like beware, <laughs> it's not <laughs> going to be easy. So I, I had a another question from the group. They were. Um... There, there have been a, a lot of changes recently in the uh, makeup of the Ecto team. What would you like to see uh, in Ecto from the community itself? Well, <laughs> at this point, um, okay, uh, I, w- I would say nothing, but that's not a nice answer. So let me <laughs> so let me let me expand on this a little bit. It, it's it, yeah, it, it it it's nothing, but it's not nothing in in an asshole guy. It's so with Acto 3, we announced Acto to be stable API, which is a way, you know, there are many reasons. We can talk about those reasons, but it is a way of uh, saying that, you know, uh, it's it's a stable API. What is here? It is what it is. And uh, we want to give a lot of people opportunity to try things out, explore other stuff, right? And everybody who is using Acto today, you should... Um, Expect that what is there is what is there, and we're not going to have major changes from now on. We are still going to continue to maintain it. If we have performance improvements that we need to do, we are going to do all those things, right? But when it comes to like to new features and uh, drastic improvements, uh, people should not expect those, right? So if you feel like oh, Actor API, it's messy. There is a better way to design all this. Then like it's great. Fork the project. Try our new one, but. It is what it is. There, um, we in a way like we did our part. Uh, we did a, a really great job of also bringing up all the infrastructure, and we're still working on it. So we're working on the my uh, XQL uh, driver. So Vitek, he's from Bottom from Attack, he's working on it. So the foundation should be really solid. So if people want to try new ideas, they can leverage the drivers. They can leverage the B connection. They can leverage everything that's there, and. Um, yeah, so that's the that's the long version of nothing. So I think there's a bunch of things to do, but not in Acto per se. Where would you like to see input from the community or oh, participation from the community? Is there an area where you're like, oh, it'd be great? So no, because uh, nothing really, because I, to me, like my opinion when it comes to things that the community is tackling and what the community wants to do, it doesn't matter, right? Like, so I like to give nerves an example, right? If somebody had asked me, if, so imagine if Frank, if he he asked me, Frank, and just like, hey, should we create nerves? I would be like, uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. Maybe it's not a good fit, right? And it would be, I would be like, uh, it could like discourage and motivate them uh, because I don't actually understand the domain, right? So, you know, work on whatever you want to work, like whatever makes you happy, whatever you want to explore, new ideas, just uh, try it out. The thing for Elixir per se, uh, it would be like the deployment. That's the thing that we would need help. But everything else, it's really up to you. Like explore whatever people want to explore and play with and imagine and so on. Do you have more questions, Amos, from the community? Uh, I can dig through here. They're, they're all, everybody's talking to each other and answering each other's questions now. <laughs> so it's, it's getting harder <laughs> to read them. Are there any other language constructs that you've been mulling over lately? No, I, I'm, I'm looking. So, <laughs> uh, after the uh, after the keynote at Alexir Kolb, uh Jim Jim Freeze, he came to me and he said, "Jose, you are a genius. 
you just told everybody that you're not going to do anything for five years and everybody clapped. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going with that. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking for, for holidays, uh, but, but not really. There, there are some things that, uh, so I said like the things I'm working on right now, there are some, uh, some projects that uh, I'm hoping we are going to announce on the first um, quarter of next year. So it, it's actually very interesting because we have been, so we wrote like GenStage and Flow and we announced this back in 2016. So we said like GenStage is how it can process data concurrently and with back pressure. And it's a very low level abstraction, but it works, it's there. And a lot of people are using it. And then we announced Flow, which is the idea where you express like how you want to work with the data and then we would, uh, you know, we would create all the stage, all the whole pipeline for you. And this would go for the pipeline. And when we were thinking about Flow, we were thinking a lot about things like Apache Spark. And Flow right now runs concurrently. And then we thought, well, eventually you can make this run in a distributed fashion. Okay, so uh, that was our um, that was our thought at the time. It's just that making it run in distributed fashion is a lot, a lot of work. <laughs> so uh, we never got to do that part. And then what happened is that, um, so uh, this year, about uh, May or June, we launched a new service at Platform Attack called Elixir Development Subscription, which is where companies, they, they have an open communication channel with the engineering team at Platform Attack. And, um, and then we started to, to work with a bunch of different companies. And, and this is something that was already in our mind and uh, it became really concrete as we start working with all these different companies that a lot of people, they are working with just moving data around, right? It's not necessarily like mathematical processing or data processing at the level of Spark where you may want to do things like machine learning, this kind of stuff. No, it's just like, hey, I have a bunch of data in Kafka, RabbitMQ, and SQS, and I have to process it and put it in the database, send an email, put it in another queue, all this kind of stuff. So we noticed that people they were uh, re-implementing like this pipeline to process this kind of stuff uh, all over again, sometimes like making the same mistakes all over again. So we, we realized that um, there is actually a common architecture and a common way we can solve this. And we are working on, we have prototypes working already, but we're working on abstracting all of this. So something today that takes like 300, 400 lines of code because you have to assemble the whole gen stage pipeline. So you can do like batching, rate limiting, uh, confirm, because when you're working with SKS, for example, you don't want to take like things from the queue one by one. That's expensive and expensive like in all kinds of ways. It's going to cost you more money, it's going to be slower, right? So you do everything in batches. So we have to have this idea of batching partitioning. So we have been working on this and we hope to reduce this problem to like a 20 lines of code problem. Um, yeah, so that's one of the things that we are working right now, just something that uh, we are excited about. But other, yeah, but other than that, like when it comes to the things that have been involved, right? It's like Elixir is deployment. I want, we'll continue fixing bugs. I'm actually having, I don't know if you saw it, I started uh, live streaming. So, uh, and I'm live streaming as... I missed the live stream by about 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, it, the timing is not good. I'm still working on the time because I do, like, early morning for me. And not morning. So, today it was a bit late. It was 1 in the afternoon for me. But I know a lot of people in the United States, they'll be either 
waking up or completely asleep. So if you like, if you're in San Francisco, so uh, it will be really hard unless you're really motivated at waking up like 5 a.m. to watch me speak, which I don't expect anybody to do, honestly. So, um, but yeah, I've been, I've been live streaming, like fixing some of the Elixir bugs and that has been like uh, really, uh, really exciting. Um, but yeah, you know, for those projects, I really want to put them like on the maintenance shift uh, more than than everything else and uh, let everybody, including myself, just work on new ideas, new problems, new projects and move from there. So, so, so going to the live streaming, um, what was, what was the original motivation for that? And, and what have you seen response wise so far? Oh, so, uh, my brother, he is actually my brother and my mother. They are both, uh, live streamers in some sense. So uh, my brother, he's a chemistry teacher. And in Brazil, we have this uh, we have this early annual exam if you want to get to university. So you do one exam that, that is valid to almost all universities. And there's a bunch of studies. So he's a chemistry teacher and he, for a long time ago, like, I don't know, probably, I don't know, 10 years at this point, has been a long time. He has been giving classes online, so people, they pay for those classes. So he has been doing live streaming for a long, uh, for quite some time. And he has always, like, told me, like, oh, you should live stream, right? Or you should, like, record classes. You should sell courses online and this kind of stuff, right? And and then he's like, hey, you're going to make a lot of money. And then I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, so he has always told me that. But, uh, like, two weeks ago, he came and he said, you know, you should... So he, he did the same pitch, but he said differently. He said, like... If you did this, it's really going to be good for the community or something along the line, right? Because he was like, "Oh, you can make money with it," and I'm like, "No, like I'm not, not I'm not like motivated for doing money like this way." It's like I don't think for me it would work because I have like um, I don't feel I personally would work under the pressure of producing content every week, which is probably something that you can resonate very well. Like if you have like this commitment and then you need to produce this content. I, I don't think it would work for me personally. So it never clicked like when he was talking to me like that. But when he started talking about the community and how it can help the community grow and have people motivated, and then I like, yeah, that makes sense. So I'll just give it a try. So, um, you know, I just, just started doing it. We had like four sessions, I think, at this point. And we have about um, 50 to 80 people live, which is really great. Uh, and... It's great because, so one of the things that I noticed is that, because now I have to explain everything I do. So for example, in the first one we did, I was fixing a bug that I don't remember anymore. But because I was explaining what was the bug and how the fix was working, I actually found out something that would break because of the new solution. And our test suite did not patch, but it did not catch. But the whole process of explaining the thing uh, helped make it clear, oh, there's actually a bug lurking around. And we'll probably get this bug reported as soon as we release the release candidate or something like that. So it has been really fun. Uh, like two days ago, one of the things we're working on, uh, the solution to the problem we're working on came from somebody in the, uh, in the chat room as well. So I think it has been uh, really really productive uh even productive in general i don't feel like i'm wasting my time in doing that or or that i would be faster if i was working by myself so uh in, so in that sense it's it it has been great it's so funny you talk about like 
not necessarily being super motivated by money and how that can actually like turn against you. Cause we've literally had that conversation before. Um, because like we've intentionally made the decision never to like run ads or anything like that. Um, or take sponsors or anything, because then it would be like an obligation to show up and not to say that any of us would like not want to get paid necessarily for doing this, but at the same time, it would change the, it would change it into this, this like obligation that we have to perform for someone else now. And then it would like add all this pressure to it where now we can just do it and it's fun. And like maybe it helps with the community in some way, small way or something like that. It's so funny. Yeah. that That's exactly my thought process. That's exactly what was behind it. I was like, I, you know, I, I'm really having fun and it's right. Like maybe adding this component is going to take the fun out of it. Now, now we, we did say no sponsors, but I do have to jump in because you reminded me and I forgot twice, uh, Tanya and Keith, um, from Elixir cards, uh, would like us to give away a pack of their cards on every episode. Dude, that's that's fine. That's (laughs) that's fine. That doesn't count. I know, I know, but we're supposed to do it this episode. And and I don't I don't have any any plans for how to give it away. So, hey, you have um, people asking questions. You can just give to whoever asked the first question. Okay, I will do that, and and uh, that that'll be pretty easy. Thank you, Jose. I see. I knew if we get smart people in the podcast, they'll answer our questions. <laughs> <laughs> these cards are these cards are great. They're, They're really fantastic. Good. Like, yeah, I got a pack as like a speaker's gift from Gig City. And I love Amos and I, we were like, let's check these out. And then we sat down on because Amos was staying at my house for Gig City. So we just sat down on the couch or whatever. And I was like, what is the answer? And then we actually went through a bunch of them. And before we had realized it, I mean, it was very late at night. And before we'd realized it, we'd already gone through like 20 and we just kept going. And we were like, I don't know. We need to like crack a repl. That's awesome. Yeah. Some of them were pretty tough. Um, and and I when they originally came out with them, I had just met the two of them uh, in in Florida at uh, Elixir Days, and so that was like right as they were starting to print them. So I bought the original all of them that they had, uh, and but they have more now, so they want us to give away one of each until we've gone through all the packs that they they sell. So thank thanks, Jose. I'll I'll uh, I'll let the first asker, which I will say. His name, I don't know if I should, but I'm going to anyway because he put a question on a podcast, so that's what he gets. It's uh, Jeremy Owens Boggs. He's from the Kansas City Elixir Meetup Group. Congratulations! Have you since we're talking about live streaming? Have you ever thought about some live participation in the podcast or something like that? No, <laughs> no. I mean, the only live thing we've ever done was the recording at uh, oh the at Gig City. City one. Um, it would be interesting. I, I did that on a, another podcast once. I just, um, in the middle of recording, we didn't have much to talk about. So I sent a message out on Twitter and asked who wanted to be on our podcast. And then we just had them invited <laughs> them into awesome. the... Yeah, I'm not sure how we would... How, how would we... I guess you can just hook that stuff up to, to Twitch using... What's it called? What's the OBS? Know. Is that what the yeah, thing is? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! I became my brother. I'm now convincing people to become live streamers. <laughs> that happened what? fast. What is going on? <laughs> um, well, we know you have a hard stop. So, any any final thoughts, Jose? Anything else you wanted to share before we end for the day? Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, uh, really glad to be here. It's a pity that it was short because it was really fun, but. Uh, I'll blame this. I was telling him, uh, this is daylight saving time um, fault because when I scheduled the meeting, 
it was when it was the one week in the year or maybe the one of the two weeks in the year where United States and Europe they're actually at different the time between United States and Europe it changes by an hour and I scheduled the meeting at that moment and I scheduled at the wrong time so um, yay time zone so Right, but uh, thanks again. I I think my connection was not good today. That's why I stopped the video. But I recorded everything on my side, so hopefully everything is going to be manageable. Beautiful. So have a good day. Thank you. Thank Jose. you so much for coming thanks. on and joining yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Always great to have you. All right. Bye, Bye Jose.